and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 330. That's right. We are talking about some more Dark Stars Rising from Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, 47, 48, and 49. Saving 50 for some something special. That's right. We're gonna it's gonna be it's Ben Diddy's last issue, so we'll save it for something special. So we're gonna knock these three out of the park. I'm taking 47, Mark's taking 48, then I'll take 49, and uh, after that, you know, we discuss, we'll be uh, talking about a trailer from actually, that this was shown at San Diego Comic Con, but the footage didn't release in time for our last episode, so we'll be doing a bit of house cleaning, I guess, by, by talking about that. So, uh, yeah, I guess no preamble. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Go for it. In, into this, in, into the Dark Stars verse. All right, so uh, Green, uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number forty-seven. Writer Robert Venditti, penciler Fernando Pissarin, uh, inkers O'Claire Albert and uh, Eber Ferreria. Colorist Jason Wright, letterer Dave Sharp, cover Barry Kitson and High Five variant cover by Tyler Kirkham and Area. F- uh, Prianto, assistant editor Andrew Marino, and editor Brian Cunningham. We open up in space. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but not transluminal space. That's right. We open up in space, and Hal Jordan is looking at his hands and that stars and thinking about what it all means, who he is, where he is, and uh, who am I? Um, he is on a dead world in Space Sector 563 with uh, Hector Hammond, who says he is safe, that he's a hero who's going to take care of anything and strong enough to uh, make the bad people across the universe stop doing bad things. And all of a sudden, in green bubble, (laughs) a green thought bubble, don't listen to him, Hal. Hammond is messing with our mind. And and, uh, Hammond's like, pay no attention to that voice behind the curtain. (laughs) 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 Essentially. I get that reference. (laughs) Meanwhile, over in 2814 in Baltimore, Maryland, on Earth, in case you couldn't figure that out by context clues. (laughs) In the United uh, States of America. (laughs) America. (laughs) All right, so uh, Guy Gardner is about to go ham on his own father when Arkello steps in and tries to stop him. Uh, the guy delivers a hard punch to which uh, Arkillo does not give up, tries to stop him and says, hey, as you told me once, take off your jewelry, princess. Let's make this title about interesting. And he's going to try and shut him down. He says, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
Let me see here. You are you are Guy Gardner, a man of the law, the greatest Green Lantern I have ever fought against or alongside. I would not wish a father such as yours on anyone, but you cannot deny that he had a hand in making you the man you are, the man I call a friend. And he says, last chance. I won't, Once I start, I won't stop. And Archelaus says, are you speaking of your fists or your mouth? <laughs> both. So, all right. Both. <laughs> uh, why not both? All right. Um his father tries to uh, interject and say, you know, I deserve it. He tells him to shut up. This is no longer about you. Guy and Arkillo uh, really start pounding on each other. Well, Guy pounds on Arkillo. Uh, and as he's beaten and battered into the dirt and into the concrete, uh, how he's trying to provoke Guy into taking that final step when Guy freaks out. Uh, mantle malfunctioning, willpower override detected, and the uh, mantle explodes off of him. He says, I let the Dark Star mantle latch onto me to see how things work from the inside. It's bad. I've, uh, I felt the shared mind of every Dark Star screaming at me. Uh, it took my thoughts about punishing my dad and cranked them up to 11. It's riot mentality with a badge. Call the rest of the yellows. We'll need him. He reiterates they're not going to join you in your fight, but I will. They fly off. Meanwhile, on New Genesis, Space Cabby and Kyle are locked up. When Orion shows up to get them out, uh, Space Cabby's not going to leave without old gal. So they go down to retrieve her. Uh, that's when all the guards show up. Uh, Orion opens a boom tube, and Space Cabby and uh, Kyle fly through with Orion. Meanwhile, back in Space Sector 563, uh, uh, Hammond is bragging about how uh, I'm going to kill every villain in the universe. Then there won't be any evil. Uh, I was inspired by a hero I once knew. How's like, that That doesn't sound right. <laughs> and his own inner monologue speaks up. Is we got to break free. Uh, of all the worlds we could have brought him to, we picked this one for a reason. Remember... He says, yeah, I remember he starts dashing towards this cave. Uh, psychic blast knocks him down. Uh, and then the, the inner monologue speaks up again. You know, hey, our will chased down the speedster of the new gods. We became willpower itself to defeat Sinestro. We did what never had been done. We forged a ring from our own will. We're Hal Jordan. And he enters the cave. Uh, we made a ring here in this cave. It changed the planet forever. Our will is part of this planet now. We brought Hammond here because we knew if he tried to overpower our mind, this would be the hardest place to do it. We know what has, we have to do. He reaches in. He gets his ring. He powers up. And he's Green Lantern once more. His memories of return, so on and so forth. And this is when Hector speaks up and explains what he's been doing. I'm the god brain. Still, you're strong enough to resist my mental powers. Do you understand now? All the guilt you have, uh, have about your feelings, about your thoughts about killing criminals, about killing me, that's all they are, feelings and thoughts. You just prove that you'd never do those things. You won't even let me do them. Your actions are what make you a hero. And they fly off to fight the threat. Meanwhile, on Mogo, uh, our uh, Kilowog has been left in charge of the Corps, while John and company are all on their recruitment drive. Lots of people in the med bay. Guardians show up asking for a report. Um, they're questioning the logic of uh, Stewart's plans. 
He says, you know, the Earthers will cut Kilowog says the Earthers will come through. We just need to give them time. Meanwhile, in the command center, Salak and friend <laughs> get a get a reading. Um, uh, I think his name is Eagle, <laughs> which is interesting. Or A E G L Eagle or Eagle or Eagle, yeah. Um, suddenly, there's a blip on the radar. Then blip, 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 and. All of a sudden, it's the Dark Stars, and they are surrounding the entire planet of Mogo, and it says, next, the end begins. And then an ad for Justice League Dark, which I read, and was good. <clears throat> See, I have, an, I have an ad for Supergirl being super. Mm. And, and the physical issue. Gotcha. All right. Uh, what would you think? This was a pretty good issue. Uh, even I, I can appreciate Arkillo taking one for the team, but I, as I've stated before, I'm sick of Arkillo getting the crappy end of the stick. But at least, he, but at least his eyes stayed in this time, so I guess that's a plus. Especially since Sora wouldn't be there to put him back together, though I, I assume uh, Salak's distant cousin over there could probably put him back together too. Uh, I'd so I, you can you can take a bit of solace though in the fact that it seems like this was the plan. Like, if Arkillo had kicked his ass, then his plan wouldn't have worked and Guy would still be in the mantle. Yeah, I mean, there could – there. that's maybe, maybe a question for another day to find – to actually ask about that. But the reality is, yes, if that was if that was part of the end, the end game, that there was a specific reason why, our, you know, why it had to happen the way it went down uh, in general. But uh, even – I'm talking big picture, like the first time they fought, let alone, you know, this, this fight – but the reality is, I I, I did like, and I, and I also like the fact they actually give us for the first time really, which is kind of a little late in the story arc, they kind of give us an explanation for why the Dark Stars are unhinged, as opposed to just the lethal justice concept. That is that it, at least they kind of make it, it the, the whole you know the the mob mentality kind of thing and the fact that it died basically because all the dark stars are connected you know psychically uh the reality is they all feed off each other's anger and their desire to to get justice and revenge and all this stuff so that just magnifies your own your own desires and just eh. so at least we finally get an explanation for why this power quote-unquote is corrupting and you know I, I I do appreciate I do based on the, based on the arc and the way it's structured as, as we've talked about you know, could it have been? We know that the approach could have been different about the, the debate, but based on the story that we've gotten, at least now we have an explanation for why the dark stars are unhinged and maybe why a little bit more they're a threat. You know, yeah. So I, I like that. I kind of liked Hector Hammond's the in Hector Hammond's own weird way how he was trying to help Hal. I kind of like the ring and the will and the the ring and the planet everything going back to the very again. Which is part of we knew this arc was going to do that, tying into certainly everything in this whole book since it started, because that's kind of one of what we saw with Hal forging his own ring and you know basically this planet this planet being changed because of what Hal did and taking off the gauntlet and everything else and so I I liked that. Uh, The only thing I didn't really care about in this issue much was the whole space cabbie and Kyle and Orion stuff. Yeah, I feel like that could have been a page or two less. Um, but then again, I mean, like, there's not, is, is there really anything in this particular issue that you would have, that you saw that you would have wanted more of, you know what I mean? 
No, I guess, I guess that's true. I, I, to me, if, if you're looking at if you're looking at all the little all the little diversions to get to gather up all these weird allies, that even the whole Orion New Gods angle of this, I don't think there's that been much of a there's much of a payoff in the story regarding yeah. Orion. We know we know why they wanted Zod for multiple reasons. We know why Zod was important. Arkillo was more or less available, I think. More than but we know why Hector, but you know Hector Hammond and Zod served major purposes. Arkillo was more maybe his real point in the story was what we just got in this issue to deal with God. But makes me wonder. I mean, I, I, we obviously have two more issues to recover in this episode, so maybe I could ask this at the end. But I might as well ask it now. Do you think at the end of this arc we'll uh, you know we'll have a Hector Hammond who's you know almost on the side of the angels? I'm gonna go out and limb and say we might just not know, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting. It would be interesting. I remember when I remember Jim had predict had predicted that uh, what was gonna happen is that Hector Hammond was gonna end up taking over the Dark Stars, more or less, re- hmm. more or less replacing you know the he was gonna be the one psychically connecting them together in whatever role whatever role the, the controllers were playing, which we've which of course we we at this point kind of kind of know where we find out that the that Hector Hammond would take would take their place uh, which would be which was an interesting concept yeah uh, I mean I liked it I like the art uh, the pacing was okay for the most part fairly consistent not high tempo but not uh, not a bore not a snooze fest throughout it uh, again I do like the art I, I like I like Hector as he's drawn here. I don't, I mean, just a larger head. I mean, some grotesque, you know, veins and so on and so forth. But I just, I never liked the weird monster head. Like, don't get me wrong, he's still going to have a big head no matter who does it. But it's just like, I never like the the deformed, the the really decrepit sort of look to it. So I, I like this. Um I like I like the stuff with uh, Guy and Arkillo. I like that when uh, Guy breaks free, his dad says, "I'm sorry," and he's like, "Stop! Not now! I need to stay pissed to fight off the Dark Stars." And he just like <laughs> basically shuts him down, uh, and then he flies off with Arkillo. Um, yeah, you're right. The stuff with Kyle and Ar- and Space Cabby and all that I didn't wasn't a thing for me. The the stuff with Hal, uh, I mean, I, it, it's it's good. It, it was cinematic. It was well done. Uh, one thing I'm – don't get me wrong. As a Green Lantern fan, I think we all inherently like those those willpower moments. And by that, I mean those moments where things are looking bleak and, and things are going – and then they, you know, Hal or Kyle or whoever it may be just, you know, just is like, you know, screw it all and just like – throws caution to the wind and they just light up, you know, that those are always really cool moments. But because it's a Green Lantern book, those moments happen quite a lot to quite a, quite a few characters. So in the interim, what you're, what you're seeing as a fan is either that was a good willpower moment or a bad willpower moment or just a eh moment because uh, there's so many of them. Well, in this case, it wasn't bad and it was, it just didn't feel like a, I don't want to say not deserved because Hal's definitely working towards getting into the cave and fighting off, you know, the psychic powers of, of Hector and all this stuff. It just didn't feel as epic 
didn't feel, I mean, for lack of a better term, it didn't feel as earned. It was definitely done and done well. It's just a matter of when I, when I saw this page, when I got to this moment, when I was, when was I like, oh shit, <laughs> you know, the way you're supposed to get when Hal lights up like this. No, I, I, I get it. I, I understand. Yeah. Maybe part of it was by the nature of the story, because at the end of the day, at least retroactively, we find out that you know Hal was not really in as much of a threat or in, in a dangerous dealing with a threat or in, in much of a dangerous situation as we first would have figured he was. But this maybe that's why they relegated this moment to a third panel instead of a full page flash or something. Maybe. <clears throat> All right. Um. All right. Anything else about the stuff on Mogo or Kilowog or anything? No, not really. I don't think. I think that was that was more you know set up for what was what was starting in in issue forty eight. So it it, it kind of showed you it kind of showed you how things were going though when pretty much every bed in the, in, in the med bay is all filled up. <laughs> Start doubling these guys up. Uh, All right, well, you want to go ahead and take 48 then? I will take 48. Technically, 48 begins the, I guess, the final arc, the the final subtitle of the, as we've been dealing with Dark Stars Rising, this actually changes it to to Last Charge. So the last three issues of of the Dark Star Star Saga is uh, Lost, ugh, try to get Last Charge. Too many, too many R's there is there. R, R, last charge, R, part one. So the cover, the cover at least says Battle Royale. Of course, in the tight, in the actual issue, it's divided and conquered. So Robert Venditti writer, Rafa Sandoval, uh, Jordi Tarragona, Tome More, Dave Sharp, covered Doug Monkey and Will Quintana. I knew that. Mm-hmm. Co- knew the con- knew the cover kind of seemed familiar. <laughs> <laughs> a variant cover: Tyler Kirkham and, and Aria Prianto, Andrew Marino and Brian Cunningham, the editors. Kind of interesting that we have Arkillo created by Jeff Johns and Yvonne Hayes, and New Gods created by Jack Kirby. It kind of seemed interesting that now we kind of get these nods. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of seems odd to me because we didn't get them in the other issue, right? Yeah. So, um, but I just happen to notice that now. I don't think I remembered that before. So the, this issue this issue begins with some narration, and it kind of doesn't take long, even before you get to the big splash page reveal. I think most people at this point would probably figure out, you know, who, is, who the narrator is talking about. You know, my father used to tell me a story, you know, you know the immortal guardians you know, desiring to bring peace and justice to the universe, turn to the power of the green light of will. From it, they forged the most formidable, we- formidable weapon in all creation, the green lantern ring. You know, and someone wore... When worn by someone chosen for their immense will, their ability to overcome great fear, it was able to create hard light constructs limited only by the wielder's imagination. Yada yada yada. We get to the point where my father always stopped his telling there, you know, a happy ending, the best possible light. But I grew up, I learned there was more to the story. My name is Tomar II of Zudar. I used to be a Green Lantern. My father was a Green Lantern, but the Green Lanterns failed their mission. In their mission, I'm a Dark Star now. We are the future. So basically, the we get a nice double splash page there where the Dark Star is led by Tomar or taking on the Green Lantern Corps, led by Kilowog. Now in Space Sector 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, Space Sector 1, people. 
that uh, basically now all the, all the rec- the various characters that have been recruited and have been doing the recruiting have pretty much br- <laughs> have reunited. And does it feel so good, Chad? I don't know. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> it doesn't feel bad, but so we have you know Zod, Orkillo, Orion, uh, Hector Hammond. And more or less, we kind of John starts revealing at least a little bit of his plan that how you know we have to we have to level the playing field first. We also find out that he's basically giving the rest of the core a no kill order because for John this isn't just this is more than just you know a physical battle. They're trying to literally rewin the hearts and the souls of the of the universe, trying to especially after everything that's happened with the core previously and and the, and the guardians not being trusted and then the Sinestro core crapping on everybody that John's trying to reestablish that the Green Lantern core not only is a, you know the police force the universe needs but they should be the police force the universe needs there's kind of there's kind of an interesting I like the three panels there when Hector Hammond's playing his mind games as everybody's kind of explaining what's been going on. First they go to a birthday party, then they go to everybody sitting in a bowl game. And, and, and ultimately everybody at the beach, which is kind of funny, as Kilowog apparently can't find a suit to fit. <laughs> Arkillo. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Arkillo, yes. Uh, not that it would be any prettier with Kilowog, but <laughs> but Arkillo. But I, I, I did like the fact that, you know, Guy, when he's talking about uh, – Guy is informing everybody. Hey, I was a dark star, but you know, and it, and they it kind of made me almost kill my dad again. The same phrase that happened in Chad's issue, dialing everything up to eleven. And and Kyle's kind of funny. He's like, "How'd you get the mantle off of you?" And he's like, "I willed it off." Jordan isn't the only one who can do that stuff. <laughs> I, I did like that. I did like that. I kind of like the idea of seeing uh, seeing General Zod with a reverse baseball cap. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, but more or less, uh, uh, everybody tells Hector Hammond to knock this stuff off, and poor Hector, he just wants everybody to be happy. So they, more or less, you know, they just, they just on the surface, everybody agrees to the to the no killing policy because it, more or less they say, hey, John, uh, excuse me, Hal's saying at this point, you know, if you're not on board, you know, you pretty much can. You pretty much can hit the road, which is kind of funny since they went through all this effort to get these people. But yet, okay, leave. <laughs> uh, John's like, let's cause some trouble. Meanwhile, on Mogo, the battle between the two cores continues. We have a very personal confrontation between Tomar and Kilowog. I have, I have to be honest. I'm not overly, I'm not overly thrilled. And and yeah, even like we talked about in your issue, we now have an explanation. For why Tomar is kind of like a little more more Tomar than he in his way of thinking than he was previously, but I kind of don't like the way that Tomar was handled on some levels in in the final few issues of this arc. Uh, during the fight with the Dark Stars, the Dark Stars kind of teleport out of there because they they figure, hey, their ultimate goal really is to go get the criminals out of the science cell so they can kill them, and of course they go to the science cells and all the prisoners are gone because the Green Lantern Corps has anticipated this being their this being their move, and much and much like Nightcrawler, uh, Tomar admits that you know without having any coordinates, without actually knowing where these where they are, we can't just teleport blind because we might teleport into our, in, into the planet or something. Uh, Kilowog's kind of like that's kind of like helps rally Kilowog, who then rallies the core because basically they got their first little minor victory over the Dark Stars because they're kind of outthinking the Dark Stars. So Kilowog's leading them back into battle. 
meanwhile in Sector 001, uh, I like the combination of Kyle and, and Guy there in the big monster truck. And what what the hell is our killer creating? Do we know? Is it just- uh, probably something from his planet or something. Yeah, because it kind of looks it looks similar to it kind of almost like like a he combined with like a parallax kind of like design, but if but it's got teeth he's got teeth like Kilowog. I mean like like our Kilo. So this little group this little group minus John Stewart and minus Hal Jordan and minus Hector Hammond, which more or less leaves us Kyle and Guy. Orion, Zod, and Arkillo take take on the Dark Stars. Uh, uh, the Dark Stars they're, they're doing okay against the Dark Stars, considering how you know horribly outnumbered they are, and uh, they really are outnumbered. Especially after Guy goes, this this is it. This isn't so bad. And meanwhile, like thousands of more Dark Stars come out, and Kyle's like, every time you say that, things aren't so bad. They get worse. <laughs> Back on Mogo, Tomar really takes it to Kilowog. He blasts him. Uh, you can tell by Kilo. You can tell how Kilowog is doing in a fight usually by how many holes are in his uniform. <laughs> and he's got a lot of holes in this one. And Tomar is just like, you know, you can't stop us, Kilowog. It's like uh, this is reckless even for you, or maybe not so reckless. Every Dark Star's thoughts are connected by the central mind at our headquarters. I know Guy and Kyle are. An- are basically attempting a misguided attack. They've enlisted the aid of criminals, General Zod and Arkillo. Please tell me again that the Kree Lanterns value upholding the law. Uh, <clears throat> Arkillo, I mean, excuse me, Kilowog, now I, now I say Arkillo. Uh, Tomar gets, lays into Kilowog, you know, pretty well. He gets, then Tomar gets blasted and we see, surprisingly, we see the Guardians actually getting off their little blue asses and, and, and coming in, leaping into battle. Again, to support the uh, Green Lantern Corps, uh, and, and the big today there will be there will be no talk today. We will fight. You know, we fight with our core, that kind of stuff. Spectre, uh, back in Space Sector Zero Zero One, the Dark Stars are pretty much ca- kind of like wearing down, <clears throat> wearing down the Green Lantern attack. Orion is talking about there are too many. You know, the ones we get our hands on teleport clear. Zod comments, you know, that, you know, they're, they're, the communi- their communications are tactically superior. You know, they teleport individually, but their attacks are coordinated. And while this, you know, while this is going on, we find out that Hal, <clears throat> Hal and Hector Hammond have gone into, you know, the, the Dark Star stronghold with the basic plan of Hector Hammond. Hector Hammond basically is being brought in there to, to separate the controllers from, since the controllers are being used to, psionically connect all the dark stars and coordinate all their thoughts and their efforts and their actions, Hector Hammond is being brought in there purposely to sever that connection. So, next issue, communication breakdown! That's right. Woohoo! What did you think of the art in this one? Not as good. I like it in some places and not a huge fan in some others. Yeah, Hector, uh, Hector Hammond doesn't look good. Yeah. And Sandoval, does, I'm sorry, Sandoval does not, that whole Kyle hair thing when Sandoval draws it just looks really bad. Uh, but you're right, some things look good. A lot of the battle scenes look really cool. Kilowog, mm-hmm. Kilowog doesn't look bad. Uh, this is, again, not my favorite rin, rendering of Tomar, but he doesn't But he doesn't look that bad. The Guardians look pretty cool, things like that. Zod, Zod he draws Zod and, and Orion pretty well. But it's, yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I like the stuff with Hector doing the little mind games. I like the fights. I like uh, I like that the artist is putting some thought into some stuff that's happening in the backgrounds. I mean, nothing of a particular note, but at least there's stuff happening in the backgrounds. Um, you're from here on out. You're going to get a lot of these group shots, like uh, when Kilowog's flying forward with "Here Comes Another Lesson." You know, you're going to get a bunch of these shorter sort of shots. Uh, you know, then there's the next one. Ladies, start your engines. That's another sort of fly towards the reader group shot. You know, stuff like that. So those those look good. Uh, the guardians flying towards things. I like that they join the fight. I wish that they had more to do in this story arc yes. because, as we'll see uh, in the next issue, you know they don't really play much of a factor. And when the guardians show up and actually start laying down some smack. Uh, Something should something should happen. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I just I mean not not that not that they should you know automatically win the day just because they join the fight, but the the tide of battle should turn somewhat in that vicinity. <laughs> so. Um. But yeah. What do you think of the plan so far? Overall, the plan is you know it's it's pretty logical. Uh, I do think, <clears throat> I do think, as we find out, they do take their sweet time use, uh, using the Z- the Zod aspect of what Zod contributes to this game plan. Though there's a specific, obviously it's waiting for the right moment, which is always the key to these things. But for the, but again, Orion, overall, but based on the tact, what they're doing tactically. Having you know this group, what what Group A's mission is supposed to be, what Group B's mission, that stuff works great. I I think that is well coordinated. I think that works. Kind of like I said before, you know, Orion doesn't serve much of a real purpose, in, you know, in, in in accomplishing anything other than being there. Uh, I mean, Arkillo is cool for being there too, but he he much like Kyle and Guy in a way, or since their part of the role is just to be the distraction, almost anybody could have filled that that role. I'm glad it is Arkillo because we've actually gotten some character development in Arkillo, which is weird that it's kind of like come for full circle. As far as before Hal Jordan the core book began, Arkillo was in a certain spot. Then once the series started, it kind of like took back a lot of the character development development we had gotten in the Sinestro core book. And now, by the end of this book, seemingly some of that character development has come back. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm glad Arkillo's there. But but you know so, but the overall, the plan John is devising for the most part is pretty pretty clever. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the third page, which is uh, after the title page, last charge. What do you think? So, uh, Hal, Kyle, Guy, and John all have green. Arkillo has yellow. Hector has an orange bubble uh, describing who he is, which makes sense given his association in the past. Zod has red, which makes sense given him. Uh, and but uh, do you think they're trying to say something here using these colors? Uh, right, I ask because you're the blue. You're, I mean, not that I'm not a Blue Lantern fan, but you, you're more so than me. So. Just uh, you think they're trying to say something here about Orion uh, and Zod? And- maybe I mean, like, see, it's kind of hard to really read too much into that because of the fact that we know Robert's leaving. <laughs> so yeah. even if, so even if in his mind's eye there was a hint or something that maybe if he was staying on the book like another year or two, or just let's say another year, something maybe a plot point he would have picked up on. But 
I don't know. I guess you could you could try to make the case Orion could be more hopeful now and see things. He sees things in a different light maybe than before. Potentially, also ironically, based on his interaction with the other cores a little bit, but especially with the Green Lanterns, it would kind of be funny that it kind of would be ironic that because he's had such close ties with the Green Lanterns, the Green Lanterns have have inspired hope in him. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, that that that's a good catch. Uh, you would kind of suspect that there, there's a reason for it, uh, but the, of course the reason could just be because they wanted colors to set these things off because we have so much green and right dead yeah. in the middle. But it probably does mean something. It's probably <clears throat> all right. Uh, anything else about this one before we move on to forty nine? No, I say we can do forty nine. All right, uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 49. Uh, where is the title page on this one? Let's take a look. Oh, it's going to be towards the yeah, back. I can't go that far. Yes, yeah, the very All last right. page. I'll, I'll get to it, guys. Uh, so, uh, open on Sector uh, Zero on the planet Mogo. Did, Everybody's going ham against the Dark Stars. Did you want me to do it since I have it open? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, Last Charge, Part 2, Disrupted. Robert Venditti, Rafa Sandoval, and Sergio Davila, uh, Jordi Tarragona, Inker, Tome Moro Colorist, Dave Sharp Letterer, Fernando Pazarin, Eba Ferreira, and Jason Wright did the cover, varying cover, which I have, Tyler Kirkham and Aria Prianto, and Andrew Marino and Brian Cunningham, the editors. Speaking of Tyler Kirkham, he's been killing it with these alternate covers, uh, these variant covers. Uh, These uh, 49 and 48 are Connect cover. Uh, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I wish uh, I wish I had the other part of. I own it. I did not get the variant cover. They did, they did not pull the variant cover of forty eight for me. So I only have the right side of the. And obviously the left side would have been cooler because I would have preferred the lanterns on the other side. <laughs> right. Uh, well, uh, I, I also like the variant for forty uh, forty seven because uh, for those of you who aren't aware, if you can find an image out there for it, it's uh, basically Hal Jordan holding the central power battery on his back, kind of like Atlas. So, it's really cool looking. But anyways, we open up on Mogo. Um, give them all you got. Lantern screams Kilowog as the entire core goes up against the Dark Stars. Meanwhile, in Space Sector 1, uh, the uh, Arkillozod, uh, Orion, Kyle, and Guy are fighting off Dark Stars. Again, they're teleporting all over the place. John is standing off to the side. And he says, uh, every piece of me wants to fight alongside them, but all I can do is watch. I've devised a two-pronged battle plan that will give us the faintest hope of victory. If this recording is my final log entry, I want the people of the universe to know that we died fighting for them, where Green Lantern's faint hope is our comfort zone. Timing will be essential. If I miss our chance, the battle, the core, and the universe will be lost. Like so many of my plans, it begins with Hal Jordan. Meanwhile, over on the Dark Star base... um, Hal gets Hammond to reach into the minds of the the controllers to shut them down and kind of sever the link between the Dark Stars. He does this by saying, hey, fair warning, it won't be easy. Uh, The controllers are some of the most powerful minds the Corps has ever encountered. You can expect a storm of psionic (laughs) resistance. uh, to which Hector responds, I'm the god brain, I could easily overpower them. Instead, I'll just squish them with a five-ton piece of machinery. But before he can, Hal yells, no killing. He says, um, All right, well, what's your great idea? Why do you think I went to you? Uh, your mental abilities uh, uh, should be able to override theirs. I know it's a big ass. One, one controller is a handful. 
uh, and this is all seven linked together. Can you handle it? And the hacker's like, is that all? Done. What now? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Hal says, Hammond, you're really starting to freak me out. Uh, meanwhile, in space, um, uh, the Dark Stars uh, and on Mogo, the Dark Stars all freak out because of some psionic feedback from their uh, telepathic link being severed. This causes uh, uh, Tomar to order all Dark Stars to return to base. Uh, Kilowog um, uh, uh, reports this to uh, John, uh, and uh, yeah, to John. Uh, so some of the dark the dark stars around uh, are Kilo and and company. Zod and Orion and all of them. Company, uh, Kilo and Company, our Kilo and Company, uh, sort of stand still and don't attack while the other dark stars show up in the area. Um, <laughs> but before the other dark stars show up, uh, Kyle's like, "They aren't attacking. Is, is that it? Is it over?" And then <laughs> in flashes all the other dark stars. And guys, like I purposely didn't say anything that time, Rainer, and things still got worse. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle says, "Sorry." Um, meanwhile, uh, on the Dark Star base, Tomar shows up and uh, starts to fight Hal. Uh, Hal uh, sends him back and says, uh, uh, "Before you know, I'll be right with you." Uh, he tells John that he's there. Um, he says, uh, "Focus on keeping the telepathic link down. I'll handle Tomar." Uh, to, to Hammond. This is when John switches on the tele, the teleportation disruptor thing, and right as Tomar says, "Well, how are you going to take me down?" and he throws a huge uh, boxing glove fist uh, right across Tomar's uh, left cheek, uh, shatters his glass and punches him to the floor. Tomar freaks out, it's like how mantle run diagnostic teleportation field disrupted and nullified. Uh, <laughs> Tomar screams to abort. The Dark Stars start running, uh, and a uh, guy says they aren't going anywhere. There's a Category 5 Green Hurricane rolling in, and this is when all the Lanterns show up to take on the Dark Stars. Uh, and uh, led, by, led by John. <laughs> led by John. Uh, and Guy says, I don't know about you boys, but I'm not, I'm not about to get upstage. Johnny is showing the Dark Stars the rock, hit him with a hard place as they hit him from the other side. Uh, everybody's taking on a target. Uh, Hal and Tomar go mano a mano uh, because Hal screams never question the will of Hal Jordan. And next, last charge, part two, disrupted. Or sorry, next, last act. That, yes, this was disrupted. Yes. You know, I kind of, I, I, I almost kind of like this two-page spread of Tomar and Hal going mano a mano. Then I like because you know what it reminds me of is that double page splash of Hal versus Sinestro when Sinestro I guess was had parallax in him. Right. Yeah. So I almost like this better. Well, it's a great shot of Tomar. Oh yeah, for sure. It's one of the probably one of the better better panels or pages of Tomar maybe ever. Uh, so I I like I said previously I feel bad for Tomar. Tomar's kind. Of, Tomar really for he's kind of got a, the shitty end of the stick for a long time. Even going back to Emerald Twilight, man, he's really he he he's he's never had a really happy existence as a green as a Green Lantern. Yeah, member of the Lost Lanterns. That's right. Which which uh that 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 club is a very exclusive club. 
Yeah, who's left? Uh, maybe we should talk about that later. But what's his? Uh, Hanu's Hanu's still left, right? I think so. And and technically, Arisia was included part of, as part of that group, I think. Uh, Boudica's dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Arisia is considered part of the group since once they rescued them from Cyborg Superman. But she obviously wasn't part of the group that was defeated in Emerald Twilight. So, right. So if you want to look at that uh, graph, right? Wasn't graph one? Uh, graph, yeah, I think graph, yeah. So, yeah. But, that counts. Yeah, so, but either way, uh, in general speaking, as far as active members, we're pretty much. Keyhan's dead, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, he got killed. He got killed by. Uh, wasn't it the Anti Monitor? I think the Anti Monitor kills him. Uh, yeah, I think so. So yeah, it's it's a very exclusive club for those that are not only still around as we speak, but just in general, which ones are still fully functional. You want to remind everybody who the Lost Lanterns oh, are? Oh God, no, not really. The ones who we did. I'm trying to remember the ones who we who we didn't mention. Uh, the eye patch. Well, the eye patch guy. Uh, uh, technically, Jack Chance is one of them. Yes, yes. T I remember Jack T Chance. Was I mean, one. Yeah, who was killed by uh, Parallax, Parallax Kyle Rayner? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those for those of you who don't remember, and Mark, I'm sure you will correct me if I'm wrong, uh, or or if I'm right, but not giving the whole truth of it. <clears throat> the Lost Lanterns are the lanterns that, uh, well, most of them are the ones that uh, Hal encountered on his way to Oa. Took their rings during Emerald Twilight when Hal. Was infected. Now we now know infected with parallax, destroyed the core. That whole thing. Uh, on his way, the guardian sent a bunch of lanterns. Te- I mean, I guess technically Kilowog's a lost lantern. No, he's not. I mean, he, I mean, he was the last line of defense. No, remember, it's not. It's it the 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 basis the the logic in the group. They were the lanterns that were sent in space to prevent him from getting to Owa, and then they were all presumed to be dead. But they were ended up they were they were they ended up being captured. I got I got the list. Oh yeah, that's right. I got the list. I got the list according at least according to the uh, to the Green Lantern Wikia page. So so let's let's see let's rattle off what we have what we already have so far. Tomar, Jack T. Chance, Hanu, uh, Kihan, Budica, Yusef Arisia. Who else? Graph. Graph. Who else? Uh, are we missing? Creon is the guy with the eye patch. Okay. And we forgot an obvious one because she she'd been gone a long time now. Lara. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's Arisia, it's Arisia Budika, Graf Turin, Hanu, Tomar, Jackie Chance, Kehan, Creon, and Lara. Those are the ones that are listed at least on this page as having been. Uh, they, they were the official lost, the official lost lanterns. Let me look at the DC. Hmm. The Wikipedia page just to see if it see if there's anybody any difference. They don't they don't include Arisia, which would make sense because uh, that wasn't until much later. No, uh, it's because they they I think they are they are defining it as just a group that Hal beat in Emerald Twilight. We just right. Arisia we know Aris, Arisia is included be, because of the fact that she was you know she was also there. Where you know where, I figure out where, where Cyborg Superman was at the time, but Cyborg Superman had her as well, so she kind of became a de facto, but she wasn't. You know, she she she, she didn't face she, down yeah, Al she's Jordan. Not a, yeah, she, she's not the if you will a true charter member or people that were, that had a had a uh, reason to have it in for Hal, which is part was part of the part of the underlying tension when they came back was that they all were characters that had little faith in or had reason to not trust Hal Jordan. 
Right. But our uh, our Lost Lantern crew is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. I always liked Tomar because Tomar was a uh, it's just He's a legacy. Yeah, it is. He, yeah, he is a legacy. He is a legacy character too, not just literally because of, he's a Green Lantern. So any all the Green Lanterns are technically legacy characters because of the core. But yes, directly because of his family, his family ties too. So it, yeah, it just and it was interesting because I mean he had to have grown up hearing about Hal. I mean from Tomar. So knowing Hal and Tomar were so close, then that betrayal when you know I, I mean after to, after Tomar uh, Ray died. And then Tomar too got the ring, you know, like he comes into the core, he's excited, he's close to Hal because he's heard all these stories. Then Hal betrays the core, he becomes a member of the Lost. Like, he's he's got a very good, uh, uh, for a Lantern who's essentially, let's, I mean, let's let's face it, compared to his father, Tomar too is more of a supporting character than uh, than a main character like Tomar Ray was. So, I mean, to... To have a, a, a supporting-ish character like Tomar 2 have this much and this complicated of a background and personality and, you know, his various loyalties being torn here and there, like, you know, you can imagine, like, as a Lost Lantern, him wanting to believe that Hal had become had come back to the side of the Angels after all this Parallax stuff had happened. So, like, the, he's, he's been a good character for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, he has been, so... And it's yeah this this whole this whole arc is kind of it's it's we'll discuss it more later on but it's when this arc is over but it's it is kind of a I was not unhappy when they made when this arc began and Tomar was the you know the champion if you will the leader of the of the, that core because in a way it was Tomar stepping up to the plate Tomar kind of you're seeing even though it might have been in a dark way no pun intended. Tomar is, you know, what he's capable of, you know, as a leader and moving up. But again, my, I guess my issue a little bit is now that we've, now that they quickly established that this, that even though Tomar was affected less than some of the others, seemingly, the reality was, we now know that so much of this was not, Tom, you know, that Tomar himself is just, being, like everybody else, all, all the dark stars we know now are being corrupted by. There, there's a reason, logical reason why they're being corrupted because they're all feeding off each other's whatever. Yeah, they're corrupted by each other. Yes, it's a magnification of their own of their own desires for lethal justice and the revenge, and then everybody else's. So it is a group men, group riot mentality, you know, that, that mob mentality that they just feed off one each other. That we that now that they went that route, it it I I would have been happier if they didn't, even from a character perspective with Tomar, because I think Tomar. Like we've talked about before, there is a point. There is a point of view here. There is a differing yeah. point of view, which which was worth exploring, and based on what the direction they went in, which was by which is fine by choice. It just would have been. I'm just curious how you know how it could have been going the other way too. No. <clears throat> All right. Anything else you want to say about this issue or any of the other three issues we've covered, or well, total three issues we've covered this episode? I think I think this arc is this arc is really good overall. I think it's. I mean, I still wish we would have gotten more characters brought in that were factors either in the this this run or even the entire Robert Venditti run. 
since this kind of closes out not just obviously the Hal and the core 50 issues, but it closes out everything that since he took over back in the new 52 for Jeff Johns. Right. So I, I personally, even at this point through issue 49, would have liked to have seen a little more tie into some other things that either were not completely closed or the characters we haven't seen in a while. But but based on what, but that's what we didn't. You have to review. You have to view things as what we've gotten, like going to a movie. You have to re- re- review what's there. Now, what you would have liked to be, who have been there, or the approach you would have liked to have seen them take instead. So I think it's good. I think I certainly think right up there. If it's not the best overall arc Robert Venditti has done, it certainly ranks right up there. And especially yeah. considering that this has been a very long arc, and as we know, long arcs could have always, you know, it's always shaky. It can exact, even if the story is cool, it could always uh, it could always end up just you know you, you get fatigue just because it's yeah. <clears throat> you know I think I think also uh, here's one thing I'll say for Robert Venditti in this arc. There have been times when he's done longer arcs and more than one issue has felt like we're just sort of dragging things out. In this arc thus far. Most every issue except one has felt like we're building here. It hasn't felt overly slow. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. We've clearly reviewed these and they're like, there's not much to talk about here in this arc. But it's not like nothing was happening. It was just sort of everything is on the page. No, I agree. Yeah, there was definitely one issue where we felt it was, you know, sort of a breather issue, I guess. But, I mean... Otherwise, I can't recall that particular issue off the top of my head, but I do remember feeling that way about one of them. But traditionally speaking, over the past few years, I've, I've, I've always been able to point out like two or three. In this case, there was just the one. And even that was sort of, eh. I mean, it's not, it's, it wasn't an overtly uh, calm issue. Right. I think, I mean, if you compare this directly to probably one of the other arcs that he's done, which has been which was very successful overall, the Godhead arc, that mm-hmm. we all know, I mean, we, you and I know, I'm not going to speak for everybody, we know from our perspective that Godhead was interesting, probably more interesting than it had a right to be based on the, the mere concept from my perspective, but it was, it still was drawn out. That considering how quickly they gathered the rings, once they, once they made it clear that the, the, the new gods were going to get the rings just like that, it didn't probably need to be three months worth of stories. <laughs> they, right. they could have, they could have probably, they could have probably done it in two, in two months and maybe even, you know, they probably in it. So, but that was a good arc, but it still was stretched out. I would say so far, considering what is this going to be? How many issues? When did this start? 42? Uh, I honestly don't remember. I'll, I'll look it up. But I think overall, I think this has been moving fairly well, like you said. I think this has been one of the most successful, one of the most successful arcs. So I certainly think <clears throat> that he is going out. He's going out on top, which is better than going out. Certainly going out with a a whimper. Yes, forty-two. Oh, you got that right. What do you know? Cha-ching. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, last episode, we had our uh, San Diego Comic Con breakdown, and in that, I told you. There was a Venom trailer shown, a new Venom trailer shown uh, during the uh, Comic-Con proceedings, but that that trailer has not leaked yet online. As we record this, uh, God, I forget what day it is. It's Wednesday. August 1st, Chad. August 1st. (laughs) (laughs) As as we record this, it it came out yesterday, right? I think so. I think that's correct. 
Yes. So we are going to watch it. It's from the Sony uh, Sony Pictures uh, YouTube page, uh, Venom trailer official number two, uh, HD. It's three minutes, 14 seconds long. I got it queued up here, and we're going to go ahead and watch it and then react. What's, that, what's the timestamp where you are right now? Zero. Oh, you're in zero, so you got the pre-trailer stuff. All right, let me back it back up. I was at five seconds. <clears throat> All right. So, and here we go. I'm Eddie Brock. I'm a reporter. I always seem to find myself questioning something the government may not be looking at. I found something really bad. And I have been... Eddie. Who's that bad? Who's that bad? bad? Taken. around the world what do you see a planet on the brink of collapse human beings are disposable but man and symbiote combined this is a new race a new species a higher life form what do you want from me you'll find out i'm so sorry We cannot just hurt people. Look into my eyes, Eddie. The way I see it. We can do whatever we want. Do we have a deal? Eyes, lungs, pancreas, so many snacks, so little time. That power, it's not completely awful. You have no idea how much you're scaring me right now. Eddie, cooperate. And you just might survive. Guys, you do not want to do this, trust me. Giant leaps will always come at a cost. Parasite. Yeah. Name is Chan. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, first trailer, no Venom. Second trailer, well, let's back it up. First teaser, no Venom. First trailer, one shot of Venom at the end that kind of shut everybody up. Second official trailer, 
venom and symbiotes everywhere. <laughs> so, what do you think? Eh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what a pile of monkey crypt. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Now, now my bigger issue is whether I buy Hardy as Eddie Brock than <laughs> the Venom thing. <laughs> I'm something about his Eddie. Something about. I his, buy him more than Topher Grace. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I would have. I'm trying to think who would have been who, who would have been worse. I mean, I would have bought a uh, Millie Bobby Brown as <laughs> better as as Tom as uh, Eddie Brock better. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm buying. The Eddie Brock stuff, but the Venom stuff looks really good. I do think it's it is somewhat ironic that he's playing another character in which you have to worry about. Uh, you're going to be able to understand what what his alter ego or the character's voice is going to sound like. When I first watched the trailer, I had a hard time figuring out anything Venom was saying beyond the stuff we already had heard him say before. Through the headset, I was able to hear a little bit more of what he's saying to the to the guy in the you know in the shop, but I think. But much like his original, not as bad as the original Bane thing. It's, you know, when people couldn't understand the damn thing that he was saying. <laughs> I think there's a little concern that the Venom voice might be a little. They may have to amplify that or, or or refine it so you get them better, so it's a little more clear what what the symbiote's saying. Uh, but overall, I thought I thought it was good. I think it sets. I certainly think they have successfully. Uh, uh, healed all wounds from that first teaser trailer. They've left that behind them quite nicely, so I think they are moving yeah. forward. It looks real good. It looks like we have more symbiotes than just Riot. And for those of you who want to know who Riot is, when you were watching this trailer, in the part where the uh, almost grayish-looking Venom swung those huge arm-sickle-looking things out, that's Riot. Um, but it looks like we might have more than one because one of those symbiotes looked like it had a huge tint of yellow in it. So maybe Scream uh, could be could be one of the others. Uh, there was that uh, it was was it was really quick flashes. Was she an Asian woman? Yes. She looks like she's infected with with a symbiote. Um, maybe she's infected with Riot. Maybe Riot is hopping from person to person before he finds, uh, you know, who he'll eventually end up being connected to in this movie. That's a possibility. Or it could be a symbi- symbiote battle royale. But, it, I mean, given that one shot where both symbiotes are splitting off their respective hosts, and there's like the <laughs> strings of... That was a real cool shot, by the way. Uh, that is a shot you've probably seen dozens of times in in the comics before uh, but to see it so well realized on the screen that looks that looks real good um, Venom I mean we see so much more of him uh, I think he looks fantastic uh, I, I think I, I think a big problem with some CGI is a lot of people say things like things look wet but in this case it makes sense I mean it doesn't look wrong for being that way I will admit seeing it, like I, I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm just like, man, where's the spider symbol? That's a part of it for me. But honestly, all these people out there freaking out about him not being connected to the Spider-Man uh, mythos in this in this way. First of all, we don't know we don't know what that's going to be like in this film. 
they could make some sort of a reference to where they found the symbiote. I, you, you never know. Don't give me. But even if they don't have any sort of even vague reference to it, the the reason I liked Venom was never really uh, uh, inextricably linked to Spidey. Is that where we discovered him? Is that where a large part of his great story arcs took place? Is that where a lot of the good character development and all this other stuff came from? Sure, yes. But at the end of the day, what makes me keep reading Venom is not Spider-Man. I followed him into a Guardians of the Galaxy (laughs) storyline where he was hanging out in space with them as Venom Space Knight for a little while or where he was... You know, in the Flash Thompson guys, I, I find it, I, I follow him into this the, these current arcs where Spidey's not really a huge part of any of this anymore. The Venom verse, he's got his own stuff going on now. Like, I mean, I follow Venom for reasons other than Spider Man. So if you don't go see this movie purely because it's not connected to Spider Man and that's wrong, I mean, part of me gets it. But the other part of me is like, just look at these trailers. I mean, this looks so much fun. Like, it's not like they ripped out the heart and the core of the character. He's still Venom. He's still acting like Venom. So, I mean, it, it's it's sort of pulling me in two different directions. Like, I see where these people are coming from, but at the same time, I'm just like, really? <laughs> You're going to skip out on this movie because of that? Because that seems like... You seem like you're a little... You know, set in your ways, old man. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Get off my lawn or my symbiote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it all looks real cool. I don't know how you, because you, you were a big Spider-Man fan uh, around the time that Venom was happening. So, I mean, well, well before yeah, that, be but fun. still, I was going to say technically, technically before, but I, but I yeah. do have Spider-Man three hundred, so Venom wasn't that. <laughs> I'll take it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, it looks. I'm more enthused about seeing that, let's say, than Aquaman. I mean, based on based on in, on interest, all things being equal, where a trailer's got to try to sell me or overcome some aversion I have or reservations I have, I'd say the trailers are making it are making it more appealing. To me, so I no, I think that I think the trailers are doing a good job with this. I think so. It's certainly looking better than we would have suspected a few months ago. For sure. Uh, let's before we before we wrap up here. Let's, I'm trying to think of some. I know there's some other things we didn't talk about that have happened since. Uh, well, the the Disney Fox merger is all but done now. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, you just just need the uh, crossing the crossing the T's and dotting the I's now, which I don't think technically happens until what January. I think will is when it will 100% be official, but they but it more or less is official, uh, <laughs> which has led to multiple r- rumors going back and forth about whether those the two X Men movies that have already been filmed, whether they're going to see the light of day or whether they're not going to see the light of day. Or whether they'll see the light of day, but it's going to be a long time. Uh, so that would be New Mutants and Dark Phoenix. And of course, whether it's true or not, a lot of rumors are circulating about how absolutely horrible Dark Phoenix is. Which probably wouldn't surprise anybody based on how what Apocalypse was. 
Mm-hmm. But it could just be clever spin or proper spin to try to justify to give further reasons why you know Disney slash Marvel wants to bury it. It kind of makes sense if you know you're going to recast all these roles anyway. And if the movie, let's say for the sake of argument, Dark Phoenix is really bad. Now, first of all, it was really dumb to jump into Dark Phoenix right away because you haven't even bar- you barely set up the idea of her being Phoenix. <laughs> so, and they kind of screwed that up the first time. So, yes, do you really want to allow a, a Fox to ruin uh, the Dark Phoenix story twice? When you have an opportunity down the road to actually do it the way you might want to do it and do it better, <laughs> kind of like the way fan they you know fantastic Doctor Doom got screwed up twice, and it's like do we really want to do we want to really you know if you're Disney if you're Marvel do you really want to let these things see the light of day? The New Mutants I suppose wouldn't hurt. I mean because it's not it's it may be I'm not sure how that they would tie that movie or how they plan to tie it into. The X-Men U to begin with, but they're all obviously they're characters that we've never seen before in X-Men movies. But I don't know. It's it'll be curious. I would not. I would if I had to bet. I would bet that they that's not gonna that they won't release those movies anytime soon. They'll, they'll probably see the light of day somehow, even if they leak. But I if I had to bet whether I believe they're going to release them or not release them in theaters, I would say they won't release them. Uh, just like we've had conflicting rumors about the James Gunn thing, where the Disney was reconsidering or was going to think of, you know, where they were open-minded on the subject. I would bet against that too. <laughs> I don't think they would have "quote unquote" rushed the judgment so quickly if they thought there was even a chance that they might walk, you know, walk it back. Uh, and that doesn't mean down the road. That doesn't mean maybe, maybe some, you know, a few years down the road. But I seriously doubt they're gonna because of a because of a petition and a few and a few. You know, hundred thousand people signing a petition, and and the and the guardians themselves signing the petition. That's going to make them walk it back because then if they do that, then you're going to have all the people on the other side, having petitions to get them removed. It's like sometimes, you, yeah. sometimes you make a decision, you got to stick with it. They made a decision for their reasons, and I think they're going to stick with it because at the end of the day, I think they really they know that, you know, guardians fans are not going to not go see guardians three because James Gunn's not directing it. Which is kind of ironic too, since so many people didn't like Guardians two compared to Guardians one, but yet now it's like, oh my god, you can't get rid of James Gunn. More out of principle, I suppose, probably for a lot of these people, which is another story as we kind of talked about last episode. So, but you know, it's like, and the, and you can take, I think you can take it to the bank that you're not going to have the major players in the in the Marvel universe quit because James Gunn's not doing the movie. They can, but. Since technically speaking, Marvel has never has not actually given Guardians three an official release date yet. Everybody assumes it's that May date in 2020 because that makes sense. It's every three years, and I think that's what they're aiming for. But you know, which is still we talked about this. And this is getting off the gun thing uh, briefly. It's kind of back to Comic Con. It's like it really. I've been. I was thinking about this more today. It was really kind of. I know Disney's kind of gu- Disney's kind of guilty of this, and Marvel's guilty of this. Lucasfilm, that thanks to D twenty three and other outlets, they've definitely moved away from Comic Con being their source of info and pushing their movies. But my God, when you really think about it, there's only four. There's only three really officially greenlit movies right now in the in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that that have yet that haven't come out yet. There's Avengers four, uh, Captain Marvel. Not in that order. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel first, and Spider-Man: Far From Home. 
Guardians has never been officially greenlit, though it's pretty much was a foregone conclusion that that's was going to be one of their 2020 movies. But 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 either way, and even if you want to throw Guardians in, we don't have any official announcements for any other Marvel movie yet, which is really weird. It's kind of it's it's weird. I'm, I'm, I mean, I know there's hints that maybe you know, Doctor Strange two is going to be announced soon because the director posted something which gave gave people the idea that something was coming. But you know. Black Panther 2, there's tons of stuff that, even the, like the Eternals, none of these, they haven't announced release dates for, and it's just, it's kind of interesting. So, Mm. it's kind of, you know, Comic-Con ain't what it used to be. (laughs) Alright, you want to play this voicemail? Yes, go ahead, play it. Alright, let me uh, crank up the volume, crank up the volume, alright. What's up, fellas, this is Corwin. In the gym, listening to episode 328, and it just hit me with all this talk about Tomar. How do you guys feel about the fact that since Johns took over, pretty much all of the lanterns that we know and love have either died or, well, pretty much gone evil? I mean, we've lost Laria, we've lost a whole bunch. Um, how do you guys feel about that, and do you think they're doing enough to step up these new lanterns into taking their place? Let me know what you think. Later. Uh... Like, I didn't think about it until he pointed it out. It is true. I mean, really, of the old guard, uh, in terms of on the page with speaking roles, all we have left is really Kilowog and Salak. Aresia is still there, but she's just she's been relegated to background quite a bit lately. I mean, even in the issues we just reviewed. So how do I feel about it is one thing, but, like, also asking, how are they doing enough to step up these new lanterns? I mean, I feel, I feel like they are. Because you still see uh, Goran's son and Two Six and stuff like that uh, in the in in the background and in in there you you got the Doctor from Salak's planet you know coming into the picture uh, you've got the Eagle character that Salak works with uh, look how I how I feel about it uh, it really depends it's hard to say they're not getting enough attention. When you've already got Hal, Kyle, John, Guy all in the same book, and we're already worried about are those characters getting enough attention? So having uh, Salak and Kilowog still play a majorish role in all of this uh, is probably more than we could have hoped for, <laughs> given the the cast of characters that we already needed to focus on in the book. But um, yeah, I feel like I, f- I feel like we should get some more alien stuff. Quite honestly, some more alien lanterns, some more focus on the core, uh, rather than just just uh, the Earthers all the time. You know, uh, there were there were times during the it was the Green Lantern Core run when um, the Earthers wouldn't get sent off on assignments uh, together, but rather assignments with other alien lanterns. So, I mean, that's that's. Something that's been missing, I feel lately. So, well, I mean, with the anna- announcement that uh, the Green Lanterns will be canceled. Oh yes, that was another thing we didn't talk about. Yeah, that will be canceled uh, here shortly. I forget when. Um, fifty-seven, but, I think. Oct- I believe October. Yeah. I think fifty-seven is the last issue. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, where's where's that going from there? You know, who who will uh Morrison have on his plate is he just going to stick with Hal if so where does that leave the others will John just take a more prominent role in the in that Justice League story that Scott Snyder's doing you know by that by that time the 
you know, this whole ultraviolet lantern arc thing will obviously be over, but will John hang around? Will he become a more prominent member? Where's Kyle Guy going? You know, what's going to happen to Jessica and Simon? So, yeah. I think... There's that Justice League Odyssey coming up. Jessica's supposedly going to be in that, so... I think looking at Corwin's... Looking at Corwin's question, I think, yes, I think... I think it's unfortunate when you go back and you've... We've lost a lot of the Lanterns that we did know, especially like we you and I were talking about earlier, that so many of the Lost Lanterns have been, you know, weeded out one by one over, over time. And actually, to be fair, to, to be fair here, a lot of them were not weeded out over time. A lot of them bought the farm in a relatively short stretch. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jack T. Chance and Kahan were both killed during the Sinestro Corps War. And, uh... Oh, Lara, Lara didn't buy it until the build-up to Blackest Night. But still, I, I think I don't. I think when we had the beginning of appropriately enough, the beginning of the Robert Venditti run on on Green Lantern and Van Jensen on Green Lantern Corps, they were doing a good job at, at introducing new lanterns, you know, like two six, and things like, and and. The the one the one armed guy who I really liked who, who bought the farm, uh, he bought the he bought the farm in Lost Army, didn't he? Didn't they kill him? Uh, I, th- I think yeah, so. I think he died in Lost Army. Uh, that so it was kind of like Hulk like he was kind of like Hulk like that they were doing a good job at establishing new core members then, but I think since we've switched over to probably post convergence. And certainly in the rebirth era, I don't think they've done a particularly good job. You mentioned the, you mentioned the doctor, yes, who technically isn't a core member, but he, yes, they've done character development with him. He is somebody new. He is somebody new. But we, they haven't done. We haven't had all. Like you mentioned, Goran's son. He did get a lot. He got a lot of page time back. You know, in the New Fifty Two part of the Robert Venditti run, back during the whole uh, Durland thing, especially the end of that run. The end of that arc. So he's he's had his he's had his moments, but I don't think we've gotten we haven't gotten that many new members that we've cared about. So I think so I, that's probably that's probably how I would answer that part of Corwin's question and, and what you talked about. I find it hard to believe that we're not going to get an announcement of another of another Green Lantern book. I think it's just a matter. I think. I th- I would be surprised if by the time Green Lanterns ends, they don't ha- we don't have another title, and we know because there's too many characters right now for them not to for them to shelve. They could I mean it would be really difficult to do one to do one book. I think the worst part of this for me is the fact that because we talked about this that the book is titled Green Lanterns. You did not have to do a reboot if you're just basically shifting the focus to making it a Green Lantern core book. You really didn't, unless you unless you feel the need to to now distinguish between the two books. Just like Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps was distinguished by from Green Lanterns. That saying having the Green Lantern and Green Lanterns is too close together, and you need it, and you want to you know you know reestablish the difference between the books. What concerns me the most is it kind of gives you the impression until we hear otherwise that Mister Jurgens is only there as a filler, a high profile. 
excellent filler. <laughs> but I'm I'm until until we hear otherwise, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that maybe they are going to relaunch a, and when they do relaunch a second Green Lantern book, he might be the writer on it. But I kind of have a feeling that's not what we're going to get. I kind of yeah. And that's really I mean now yes we could be surprised based on who's going to be put on that book. But I got to be honest with you, I don't know if. Off the top of my head, I can't imagine anybody who would be getting that book. I, I, I would be happier with than Jurgens. I mean, yeah, unless they were going to bring bring back like Tomasi or somebody to do the book. But other than that, I don't see how I'd want to. I think I'd want Jur. I mean, I would. I've said before I'd prefer if Jurgens was writing the Hal book personally. Uh, but well, isn't isn't Tomasi available? Given where, that ben, Bendis has Superman now. I guess it is possible. I mean, it could be. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to, we will have to. I'm just, yeah, I'm just a little. But when I heard when I heard that news, I found I found that a little. That was a little disturbing for me. I thought that was, you know, we kind of we kind of had a feeling, especially, and we may have talked about this on on the on one of the episodes, how Jurgens had been a little cryptic about. How long his run was going to be on this book, and you know, was it indefinite, and and what was going to happen down the road? And he just kind of made it sound like, oh, well, you know, let's just focus on what's you know what's in front of us for now, and and see how it all plays out. That kind of you could have you know obviously could have been read into it and interpreted multiple you know multiple ways. But from my point of view, as soon as he said that, that made me think, yeah, that means he's not sticking around very long on this book. <laughs> so, but not yeah. because I figured that. that more because the book was going to be canceled, not because he was he didn't want to stay. So it'll be it will be it will be greatly and very very interesting to see what happens going forward and what whether Jessica became still becomes the main star of whatever second book they launch and just have Guy and Kilowog and and assuming Kyle's still alive, Kyle roll into that book or or whatever they're going to do. You can't just you can't think they're going to be restarting the book and have it be the same focus, because that makes no sense. Yeah. So I've I think we're both for Jessica continuing on as a major role. I think we certainly would not would like to see Simon take more of a backseat. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's time to wrap up the episode. Mark, if people want to reach us, how can they find us? Lanterncast.com. Lanterncast.gmail.com. Right, <laughs> Seven oh eight lantern. No dot com. <laughs> Twitter and Facebook. Hashtag GeoCast. Locate us. iTunes and Stitcher. We're on it. Listen to us. <laughs> Leave us a review. That's right. I think that's it. That, that's our bridge closing for tonight. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.